What's up, fam? Welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers Podcast, episode 118. Well, woohoo! Uh, it is Tuesday, October 26, 2021, and we are recording on this fine fall day. Um, joining me today is Chris Stellar. No, that's Stellar Smalls. Chris Salty Sternum Stern. How's it going, man? It's going. I'm watching the Halo Infinite campaign overview that got released yesterday on Monday um, in beautiful 4K on the Xbox YouTube channel. And uh, let me tell you, it certainly looks like a video game. Apparently, I'm streaming it in 480p quality because nice. of uh, maybe the bandwidth getting used up by the recording. And it still looked good, so. Nice. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not super picky about game visuals. I'm just impressed when they're pretty. I didn't uh, have chance to listen to the episode outside of editing it last week. So did I heard Angie talking about her attempts with the multiplayer? Did you get in on that at all? It has been wedding season and busy oh, season. Yeah. Um, so both weekends where they had those uh, multiplayer tests, I was not remotely Otherwise near an xbox um which was a bummer although gotcha i suppose they probably wouldn't have let me jump in on that from um from the cloud would they have that would have been cool i don't know man i can't speak to it to on too high level because i just know angie was in on it and it happened and people were loving it so um but i wasn't sure what platforms it was available on I think it was PC and Xbox at least. Anyways, no, I have not had sense, a chance but... to. I have not touched sticks, as they say in the biz. <laughs> I like that. No AFK for us, man. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to be part of the conversation or if you have a question for us, you can hit us up on Twitter at MN Gamers Podcast. You can email us um, at the email address podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. You can also text. Or call us at 507-291-2991 if you want to, uh, you know, have your voice heard on the airwaves, which is fun. Um, and then you can go to our website, mostlynormalgamers.com, and check out um, old issues of our newsletter at mngamers.substack.com. We will hopefully maybe restart that again sometime. You know what I've noticed, man, is I do miss writing like, I mean, and I'm not saying I'm like good at it at all. I just like, I enjoy doing it and I do miss doing it from time to time. I wish my life was a little allowed for more time for things like that. I kind of agree. I have been thinking when I was in like the heat of being obsessed with uh, playing Dark Souls, I, I wanted to throw some thoughts together on paper, but Dark Souls has been picked apart so many times by so many people that I think it would be hard to put something original out there. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's still nice to sometimes just have your thoughts on paper and just kind of, I don't know, is there something like quasi-therapeutic about it, I think. Anywho. I, I need therapy after playing Dark Souls. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't we all? Uh, uh. Funny thing, man, before we get into what we were playing, AJ and I uh, were going through uh the profile our profiles on psn um mm -hmm. the other day when we'll talk about it in a little bit but he and i finished it takes two this last weekend mm. and uh 
I've put, just take a guess how many hours my PlayStation estimates that I've put into Bloodborne. 140. 324. Is that just time that the app's been running? It has to be, man, because I can't, like, you know how Souls games don't really, like, turn off? Right. Or, like, you don't, you can't just, like, pause and, I mean, you can just pause and stop, and it'll pretty much drop you in exactly where you were, but, like, you know how you can't, like, pause or anything. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing it accounts for that, because I don't feel like I put that many hours into it. That would be uh, hardcore. But it is hard. Uh, that's I, I've heard that 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 uh, metric isn't too reliable from PlayStation for whatever reason. Hopefully, it'll get better as time goes on because I'm pretty sure I haven't put in 324 hours into Bloodborne. But aside from that, what? How are you like in Metroid Dread? I heard a little bit of your thoughts last week, but have you finished it? Or I um. We're going to go like light spoilers. I got word from Adam that I am likely coming towards the final boss fight. Um, Who's Adam? The AI that you... Oh, is that his name? With. Yeah, I'm oh, pretty okay. sure. Um, and so I am currently like paused outside of the room of an elite chozo warrior battle that takes place later in the game it's like the golden one those fuckers are hard huh this whole game is hard and like this is where i'm at with the game i wish i had my i don't have my camera set up on my computer so you can't see my facial expression but i'm like rubbing my brow i have a furrowed brow uh and like how's his wrinkles bros don't do that there was this like brief respite of like an hour where I lost track of where I was supposed to go next. And so I was just going from area to area, like cleaning it up and like looking for upgrades and looking for anything I might've missed on the map. And there wasn't an overly hard boss fight to be found. And I got to do these really challenging platforming puzzles that like use the really advanced abilities you have in ways that I've never thought possible. Like, um, I think it's called the shine spark is the thing that lets you do like the super jump and Oh yeah. Where you just can keep spinning. Oh no, no. But it's when you use like the turbo boost speed thing and then you press down to charge it into a, a like thrust. Oh yeah. I don't think I ever did that. See advanced techs techniques. Right. And so like there'd be things where like you're doing the sprint and you need to like maintain your momentum for like two rooms and six wall jumps in order to go through one of the um, walls you need to be going at full speed to go through and things like that. And like those puzzles pissed me off because they took me so long to execute and to figure out. But then when I got them, it was really satisfying, which is kind of the same feeling I get from beating the boss fights that are overly hard. But I think in a game series that I value for ambiance and exploration and like atmosphere and mood um, more than I value for challenge. I've really struggled when these boss fights that are like a full 15 to 20 minute stop of just getting my ass kicked and dying and trying again 
wins, rinse, wash, repeat keep happening. Um, yeah. And you die fast when you die. Like it takes, I've noticed it just, if you change, I have finished it by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I So tell me about your experience with the boss fights. I, I, I agree. Like that's the thing is like the patterns are kind of predictable, but like you really can only make like three mistakes. Yeah. And then that's how you learn. Like you have to, I feel like if it had load times, like the PS5 and the Xbox series series is, is do, we probably would be less like, we'd still be saying how difficult it is, but I, I think it's troublesome because you can fill up your life bar, but if you get hit like just a couple times, it just takes away so much of your energy. Yeah. You know, like, you can like in these Chozo battles, are you fighting two of them? Cause I know like one of those things was hard enough when you fought it the first time and then they start throwing two of them at you. And uh, are you thinking of, so there's kind of two different ones. I'm talking about the guys with the shield and the spear. As opposed yeah, to the guys I'm talking about, I think too. who's who like are infected by the X and spew bile at you like black vomit out of their mouth. Yeah, I'm talking about the dudes with the shield. They're going to send two of them at me? Yes, at least a couple times. Sorry, I thought you knew that because you said you you were close to the end. So I got bad news for you. You probably got a little bit more left. But but like you have to. I'm like like, full tilt right now. Yeah. And I'm not even playing the game. Just the news (laughs) that this is coming up in my life is causing me distress. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. I assumed you were there. I should have uh, maybe put a caveat in there, uh, forewarned you, maybe. Well, uh, I know, like, there were the ones where they have the blaster thing and then the two different attacks where they charge across the room at you and they start throwing two of those at you. Mm. And so I guess I should have assumed that they would do the same pattern with this other enemy type. Um yeah. I just want to make sure I'm pretty sure I'm talking about the, yeah, those things. Yeah. Yep. Those things. Uh, anyway, it's, it's frustrating because you have to go into it and you last, like the first time you face a difficult enemy, you maybe last what, like 30 seconds. So you, I mean, you're fighting things over and over and over again and the load screens aren't bad and the checkpointing, especially on like the Emmy uh enemies are i think pretty reasonable wouldn't you agree with that it's reasonable but i still felt like the me sections were too punishing so my comparison point is always going to be metroid fusion where they had a similar concept where the sax like was there to scare the shit out of you and was like super super powerful and dangerous but the stealth sections they built around it never felt like you get caught once. And if you're lucky, like the parrying window and timing is impossible for me to figure out. So it never feels like I'm succeeding when I successfully parry them. It just feels like chance. And like I played Sekiro, like (laughs) I should be able to predict a parry window. Yeah. It's like they let you, the the window is definitely wider than it is in uh, Sekiro for sure, but I, I'm with you. It's different for each enemy, and it's oh, I mean, like specifically with the Emmys, I cannot oh, figure gotcha. the timing out. 
when they catch me. Oh, that one. That's impossible to do. Like, I'm with you. I think but like, I, got I feel that. like the satisfying thing would ha- to have been putting it in the range where like the, the point of that section is to instill fear and make you like feel suspense and feel tense around them and make you want to run away. Right. Yeah. In my opinion. And so like being able to parry it, if you like, even if you broaden that window a little bit, the more parries you do, the more you're, Oh my God, I just got away sliding under their leg running away. Like I I think it, it plays into what I imagine that section would feel like if you weren't dying. And I, I struggle when a game isn't a souls like, and like death doesn't feel like a mechanic in this game. It still feels like a punishment. Whereas like in the souls games, and this is literally having come just off of dark souls one and played Sekiro this year. Like, death is a mechanic that you're expected to experience yeah and i do think like some of the boss fights it's like okay you're supposed to die and then you're going to try again and learn the pattern yeah but i think with the emmys specifically there's no pattern to learn no you just have to avoid them until you can find the room that you're supposed to find to get the hyper powered up weapon you know and and so that's that's where my struggle is so I'm going to drop something in our little text chat here. Here's a link to the enemy that I'm talking about. And you're going to just nod your head up or down or left up and down or left and right to indicate that I'm going to have to take on two of these at once. Yeah. Two of those. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. It sucks. And it's real hard. And, but like the final boss, I, I feel like if you get the, it's all just about like, playing it enough to recognize the patterns of the enemies and how to counter them or avoid them, which I feel like just kind of takes a lot of dying several times. It is like a Souls game in that regard, but you're right. It's not like you're not going in there like it's not a mechanic that you're expected to encounter. I'm sure there are speedrunners that have already beat this game in like no time at all. I just um, saw a news story on Kotaku so. about 90 minutes. Yeah. So uh, it is It is a fun game. I, I'm with you. I don't think it's... I liked Samus Returns on the 3DS considerably more than I liked Dread. Mm. Um, but I think that's probably my favorite Metroid game. And I really enjoyed uh, Super Metroid. So I, I mean, that's not to besmirch Dread. I just don't... Samus Returns is the same developer and I do feel like they got their do a bunch of boss fights formula from that game right yeah like and that's the thing is like I don't come like comparing it to Super Metroid right I was I've been watching a let's play of Super Metroid recently like those bosses are like set piece spectacles but they're not super frequent and they're forgiving like they give you time to learn the pattern within the first fight and have a chance of winning yeah and that's it's just a different interpretation of metroid and like this is coming from someone who's like top three games of all time probably includes hollow knight and that's another game with like punishing boss fights right yeah but they there's a way and i don't know how to do it man but like there's a way to do that and make it feel more rewarding 
and this game didn't do it like it i've i know a lot of people or have heard a lot of people that are kind of banging their head up against the wall with how frustratingly difficult it is and i do think it does have something to do with the fact that like i said earlier like you're have you get all these energy tanks and you feel like you're getting powered up however you're not like you are very uh sensitive to every attack like super any yeah so any like the chozo soldiers that you're talking about and like any bosses can kill you in like no time at all like if you hit get hit four or five times you're done yeah but it doesn't look like that because you've gained you've amassed a a certain amount of energy throughout the course of your playthrough well and i think one of the things that leads to dissatisfaction right when you start like looking at it on paper critically it's like so part of this game series is incentivizing looking for these upgrades right and making that a fun puzzle to figure out and figuring out how do you get to this part of the map and oh when can i come back with this power so i can get that upgrade right that's literally the whole loop of a traditional metroidvania yeah and in this game the regular combat after a certain point you don't worry about your health when you're just going around fighting normal enemies once you get the screw attack everything is a one-hit kill you just jump into it but those upgrades don't feel like they make a marginal improvement on your chances of beating a boss because you still get killed in three hits it doesn't matter that you had 99 more health like maybe it buys you a fourth hit technically but it just doesn't feel like it makes an impact and so I feel right. like it kind of breaks the core loop of the game. Yeah, I agree. And it makes those, like I wasn't at all um, compelled to keep playing when I finished it to go find extra, more upgrades because I didn't like care. When I was done with the game, I right. guess there's not really a, a major point in it. But even when I finished or was facing the final boss i wasn't like oh i need to go get more energy cells because when i was at like 80 percent and of like 100 percent, you know mm-hmm. what i mean like i had a good portion of the energy cells available to me and i didn't feel compelled to go chase more because i knew it wasn't like you just said like it was maybe gonna buy me one more hit if i bought if i got like three or four or five more energy cells, it wasn't, it was still one more hit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which just kind of defeats the purpose. So. It does not feel like a big payoff. No, it doesn't at all, but it, it is a fun game. I no, I, definitely. I think I, we're talking a lot of shit, but I think we're, well, would you say you're enjoying it? Yeah. When I'm not like, here's the problem. When there is that quiet stretch of time, it's a great Metroid game. Like they do the Metroid part really interestingly and pretty well. It just, they throw so many boss fights at you that it like yeah. breaks the whole point of these games for me. Yeah, you're right. Because like if you're not fighting like a boss, you're fighting an Emmy and there's a good number of those. It feels like you're constantly like, oh man, another enemy to like defeat before I can go venture around and explore shit. Yeah. The one other thought that- I wanted to share is I do think like Metroid Prime did have a pretty sharp difficulty curve if i'm remembering correctly and granted i played it as like a 12 year old and didn't beat it (laughs) Um, yeah maybe like 13 or 14 but no it was was in like seventh or eighth grade and so like maybe they're just taking a page out of a different metroid than 
what I expect from the side scrollers. Anyways, I've been talking a real long time about this game. Um, and <laughs> it's cool. We've both played it, and I recently finished it, so yeah, I think I'm, it's a. I'm ready to go hit my head against it after we record, but I want to hear what you've been playing. How's that? Oh, how's yeah. that going in well, your world? AJ and I finished did finish uh, It Takes Two, which was that game is phenomenal, man. It's definitely up there for my game of the year. Um, awesome. This year. It, like the fact that they made like an 11 or 12 hour game that perfectly, I mean, the ways that they make you work together and keep changing the ways that you work together just continued to fascinate me from the beginning to the very end. Like that nothing, or I mean, things were repeated, but very few things, mechanics were repeated. Mm -hmm. It's, like always fresh you're going from like flying these weird airplanes shooting at squirrel like killer squirrels to like riding around on toads to the last level we played which was super psychedelic and trippy and uh the writing is fantastic uh yeah i just i mean if this was a single player game and they figured out how to like i would still like it you know a lot and they figured out how to do this i think adding another player in that has to play simultaneously and figuring out how to make that feel not only compelling, but it it's like, do you know, have you heard of the term Ludo narrative dissonance for the love a good Ludo narrative dissonance? <laughs> yeah, I do love that term. This is like the exact opposite of that. This is like, uh, whatever the opposite of that would be like Ludo narrative, uh, consonants. Yeah, something like they're I'm working pretty sure together consonant. almost perfectly, and it's it's you don't experience games like that very often, you know, where you're because uh, the the point of the game is to work with your partner to understand why your relationship is failing, and every aspect, every puzzle of the game, you're either you're in some ways working together to. Uh, solve a problem and it makes it so that you have to communicate effectively with the other player in order to do that so it's like modeling effective communication in a relationship through the gameplay which Mm. is just uh, so it's so fascinating man like the more i talk about it the more i like it moves up my list and (laughs) i'm like just fascinated by how they how that something like that is even made uh, to perform on the level that it does. So, uh, anyway, wow. this great game. If you got somebody else to play with, I would play it again. So, if anybody out there wants to partner up, uh, AJ played as the dude and I played as the mom. So maybe I'd give. And only he got the trophies, which isn't cool. Even though we played it together, it's he's lame. the trophy that, mom. Yeah, exactly. He. It has that play pass thing where if you one of you owns the game, then you can play. Like I didn't pay anything for it. AJ bought it. Oh right, and I right. Just played it with him. So, which is a very cool thing for them to do. I'm sure. Does it have couch it, co-op? No, it's uh, it does. Well, I shouldn't say no. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. But I don't. I don't know. You do play split screen for the like vast majority of the game, so I would be too surprised if it had couch co-op but for some reason i thought uh, it was online now it says couch co-op at its oh cool finest and good just did a quick google search yeah so i must be wrong and it does because that's that's 
Yeah, that makes sense because you'd want to play with your partner if you lived in the same house, probably, rather than in a different room. So, um, great game if you're looking for something to play with someone else. Also, I picked up Deathloop despite the fact that I didn't really like Dishonored one that much. Um, I did like Dishonored two. Chris, you're a fan of the Dishonored games, aren't you? I think I like them more in the abstract than I do when I'm actually playing them. Oh. Um, I, I had jumped into Dishonored 2 recently because I was excited about Deathloop. And, yeah. Um, I'm just so bad at them. Yeah. Like, I, I don't thrive in that environment and I get hung up. Um, the first Dishonored I played through an, an almost perfect no kill run, and then a rat ate a dead body I left, or an unconscious body I left behind. Oh man! Um, and like I was like save scumming like crazy. I was like saving, and then like if I died, I would like I would move three feet and save. I was trying to be very stealthy. Um, yeah. But I liked the story a lot. I like the art style. I like the world they've built and the lore of it, and powers are cool and i loved blinking around um but in the second one i've been going a little bit louder and i'm just finding it hard to like i just am not creative enough and loose enough with the powers that they gave me so death loop intrigued me because it's all about getting to revisit those same spaces and try and like perfect your visit to them so is that kind of what's your experience been like with this yeah, it's basically Dishonored with a different coat of paint on it. Uh, but it's, I'm with you, man, 100%. I kind of like the idea. I think the reason I may have finished, just, I'm pretty sure I finished, finished Dishonored 1. And I know I finished 2 and really actually liked it a lot. Hmm. Other than the fact that 2 seems to punish you for, like, if you go through it loud, like you were saying, like, you do get punished from a sorry standpoint for doing that. And uh, I didn't really care for that, but uh, Deathloop is basically dishonored with a different point of like the blink thing that you talked about. It has, it's in this game. Hmm. It's a power that you get. So the way it works is there's eight visionaries that you have to kill and you have to kill them all in one loop. And there's four different areas. So there's two, uh, Presumably, I don't know this yet, but presumably two visionaries at each location. So basically what you're doing is going through the loop, trying to uh, obtain powers, obtain weapons, and then find out information about where the visionaries are during each time of day. So you have morning, noon, afternoon, and evening. Hmm. Uh, and supposedly there's a, there's going to be a point where... In the morning, there's going to be two visionaries at this spot. In the afternoon, or noon, there's going to be two visionaries at this spot. At in the PM, there's going to be two visionaries at this spot. You know what I mean? So you can kill all of them in the same playthrough mm-hmm. or same go. But what I didn't don't really care for about it that kind of reminds me yet again. I know people get tired of everyone referencing Souls games for everything, but uh, you do. And this isn't like a Souls feature, but it's like kind of reminds me of something that they would do is like if you get a power they're called slabs in this game or a weapon and you die in the loop without uh you can use this stuff called residuum Mm -hmm. and you can 
infuse your weapons and powers with residuum and that will help you you can keep them that way but some like the more powerful the weapon or the um power up is the more residuum it takes to infuse it with to keep it so for instance i had the blink power i can't remember what it's called in this game but i had it and i didn't have enough residuum to infuse it to keep it so i had to go i went and played the next step in this whole process and like i died i i like had somebody set a trap on me and I couldn't figure out how to get out. So I died and I couldn't be- get back in the room because the door's locked. So I couldn't mm. go collect my residuum and then just leave. So that's kind of where it souls. It's souls. Like if you die and your souls are unreachable, you can't have them back. Right. So right. that put like a sour taste in my mouth. So then when I died, I lost this lab. So then I have to go back through and play that thing all over again in order to get it. And it's, it, it is just a Dishonored game with a different coat of paint. And so it's like a sim kind of like Deus Ex, if you ever played those games. Uh, and it's it's frustrating at times. And I'm like I said, I'm with you. I'm not very good at it. I've played like nine hours and I'm not even close to like halfway through it. So mm. and I've heard it was taking most people like 12 hours, kind of like the Metroid Dread thing. And I should probably be close to the end by now if I were um, any good at it. But uh, I don't know. I don't get the praise that it's getting and not just because I'm not very good at it. I don't think it's anything like that outstanding or revolutionary. So I don't know the relationship between like Juliana and Cole is kind of cool, but outside of that, maybe it'll get better as I learn more about what's going on. But yeah. Talk to me about your interactions with the online play. Have you been invaded by anyone speaking of dark? No, you can turn that shit off and I, turn that shit off hmm. so then you just get invaded by juliana as a player and i will that's only happened to me once which is why i know that i've uh not made it very far in the game because i'm pretty sure she invades you occasionally and i've only gotten invaded by her once and that was and i beat her but i'm not big on like i turn that shit off on souls games too because i'm already already bad at a game i don't want somebody coming into my game and fucking killing me and pissing me off more when i'm already pissed off so yeah i spent uh the vast majority of dark souls hollow so that i didn't have to worry about that but you also kind of like lose out on some of the other cool things that happen in the game so yeah you definitely do yeah you definitely do i think uh speaking of souls i think one of my buddies and i are gonna play through demon souls he just got a ps5 so and i kind of gave up after i couldn't get this trophy that i was trying to get uh so i'm kind of anxious to go back to that but um yeah anyway that's a massive sidetrack but what do you say we get into some news and then gtfo and go play some games let's gtf in to the news segment Yeah. First up, we got. Uh, I thought this was really funny, man. For Matt Purcell over at IGN, that reporter or players report Nintendo Switch Online N64 games suffering from input lag and frame rate issues. Yeah. 
which I think is just uh, fucking hilarious. There's uh, they quote out of speedrunner ZFG posted his thoughts on Twitter, noting that the version of Ocarina of Time he's referring to is worse than the featured, the one featured on the Wii U's virtual console. I just I think this is because you download the games, right? Or do they do you stream them? Do you know? I think they're in your system, but it checks the internet at like intervals to like validate that you are allowed to play them. Yeah, but to, so it's but like, that's like every couple days. So I'm yeah, pretty it's every sure they just installed on the system. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought too. So I guess I just don't really understand how you would think Nintendo's out there stopping all the. Uh, people making money off emulation of their games. Maybe they should pay one of these people to figure out how to emulate their games because well, it doesn't it, seem to be going well for them. Yeah. Further down in the article, um, they say that this Twitter user at oatmeal dome um, says that it's the same emulator used in super Mario 3d all-stars for super Mario 64 and, no. or probably the same one from what they can tell. And, that game runs pitch perfect in the version on uh, on that collection. And so that's really surprising to me. Yeah. Um, I, I was so excited about the potential of this, if it was going to be like moderately priced and work well. But like, I know even last week, like I was kind of trashing it with Angie. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because like, it feels like a, a very expensive ask. Um, yeah. I'm curious how the Genesis emulation is. Uh, I, you know, I, I think Nintendo players are going to Nintendo. So like, I think it's pretty natural for the switch players to like, want to check out the N64 games, but right. actually more of the games I was interested because in, I hadn't played before were on the Genesis. Yeah, that was definitely, I don't have a lot of, uh, reverence for the n64 games like oh really? i mean there are some that i enjoy but when i go back and play them i'm like oh this is terrible uh what's well, that nascent 3d era right yeah like, it's i mean terrible if you ask me like i people still speak fondly of mario 64 and i i just don't understand that for the life of me man that game looks fucking terrible but it plays really well still. That's the thing. I, I guess I don't understand that. But it, like I don't. I guess I wasn't very excited. So I thought the price hike was ridiculous. First of all, right uh, for what they're adding, especially considering, in my opinion, that the Nintendo sixty four games don't hold up very well. So I was like mostly looking forward to the Sega Genesis ones. Let me also add, I didn't buy it because I'm not. I have a genesis mini if i want to play them that badly i'll hook that thing up because mm -hmm. that thing costs about actually that thing costs less than a year of nintendo <laughs> online plus expansion pack or whatever <laughs> so uh, what a bargain yeah let them also try to figure out how to the naming convention of these things a little bit better like some well, stuff, man. The I expansion pack is a callback to the n64's ram expansion pack okay thing that, that yeah all right you're right Good call, man. It's like way less annoying to me now. It's stupid, but it is like trying to play on some nostalgia. Yeah. 
It's a, that's the one that made it a 64-bit go to 68-bit, right? Oh, I don't I think even that's what know. it did. It's the one you I needed had to play uh, the Donkey Kong 64 and Majora's Oh, yeah. Games. It went in the front, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember had a little red now. red top and a, it was like a yeah. little weird black cartridge with a red yep. uh, curvy, bumpy top. Yeah, one of those like weird artifacts, because I was like a kid, you know? Yeah. And I was just like such a... a it was magical, right? Because like at that time, technology wasn't just technology. It was like way more of a toy, right? Yeah, for sure. It was very now, cool. Xbox and P- I mean, PS5 looks like alien spacecrafts, but um, yeah. back then, like the N64 felt like a kid's toy and like had these weird things that like, yeah, it's just RAM, but it's like RAM that looks a particular way. Anyways, yeah. I, very Speaking weird, of our weird. consoles looking like spaceships, dude, I went and uh, hung out with one of our old co-hosts. Uh, yeah. I don't think you ever met him, Aaron okay. uh, Woods, and uh, he has the light on his PS5. He like modded it somehow. He like got in there and changed the light so it changes color and stuff while you're playing. Oh, like based on something, it changes. It's like neon green to like purple to blue or whatever. Pretty oh, cool. kind of like they used to do on the controller. Yeah, yeah. Probably do on and the And like people do a lot with like their lights around their TV and stuff. You can get them to yeah, be yeah. Uh, like match whatever's on your screen or whatever. So anyway, Brand. a little side note of since you said that our current consoles look like uh, spaceships, I think you're dead on to something there. Uh, anyway, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess that. I can't think of a Nintendo 64 game that I don't already have access to that I want to play. So I don't really care about this. And I was with you guys last night, or at least what you were saying with this being too expensive as is. Mm-hmm. So, um, you're not hyped about the animal crossing expansion being included. <laughs> well, the thing about that is, man, like you can buy it, separate right but like then you obviously lose access to it if you like right lapse your prescription your prescription your subscription and uh yeah so i don't know if i would i mean i guess if i were into animal crossing i don't i don't know what i would do like i would probably just buy the animal crossing dlc because why would i want to spend the extra i would i could spend 25 dollars or 20 or whatever it is for the animal crossing dlc or i could spend an extra $50 and get a bunch of crappy games I don't want to play. Well, like if you're already subscribing, it's only 30 more. Cause it's, Oh, like is that for the family one too? Oh, the family one's different. I think it's like 80 for the family one. Yeah. But whatever. Anyways, it, it yeah. still feels like a rip off. Yeah. I'm, I was completely with you guys last week when you were talking about that. I, I do not understand. I, Myself, at least, I'm have a lot more adoration for the SNES games than I do any of the other stuff. So as soon as that was on there, I'm like, oh, sweet. This is great. Maybe if they put GBA games, I would think about upping my subscription. But it, because I don't have a lot of experience with that library, so I would like to play those games again. But Chomping I have a lot at of the bit for GBA. Dude, I am. I started playing. I didn't talk about it much because we got to, you know, uh, live our lives. Um, but I started playing 
zero mission again because I had never finished it because I got super frustrated at some point. Mm. So now I'm back to playing zero mission again and I'm approaching the end, I think. So nice. Uh, I might talk about that more next week. But anyway, uh, we're not going to be talking about BlizzCon at all this year or next year because that shit ain't happening. Uh, yeah. After they, dude, I mean, talk about fall from grace man like blizzard used to be so uh beloved and now look at them like last year wasn't last year or was that two years ago when they announced the diablo uh mobile game yeah people just fucking freaked out let me tell you i'm not in love with the way people acted about that like oh 100 percent dude People need to fuck off about bitching yeah. about mobile games, and I 100%, usually don't swear. Yeah. I usually don't swear on this show, but that like really is something that I'm ashamed to like. That's one of those things that happens in the gaming news where you're like, I cannot believe I'm a part of this community, dude. I I don't disagree with you that the way that they handled it, like people handled it poorly and like in a toxic manner. But you do have to say, like they said, Diablo news, and they came out with a diablo mobile game or they announced the diablo mobile game and they were surprised that people were pissed off about it yeah people didn't I mean, handle it well 100 percent. but it was i think still the thing to focus to on is the lawsuit around the sexual harassment yeah uh, but anyway and we gender pulled. discrimination yeah for um, sure which seems like a good time to cancel your giant public press event. Yeah, which they, um, in this article we pulled from Jeffrey Russo over at gamesindustry.biz, uh, their quote is, Blizzards, that is, is to take the time to reimagine what a BlizzCon event of the future could look like. They don't mention those lawsuits or anything directly, but they do say uh, whatever the event looks like in the future, we also need to ensure that it fails as a feels as safe, welcoming, and inclusive as possible. We're committed to continual communication with our players, and we see that BlizzCon playing a big role in that going forward, the company said. Hmm. So they do say that, like, which I, I mean, they need the time off. Um, it also says, as of yesterday, that Los Angeles count, Los Angeles, it says Los Angeles country. I think it means Los Angeles County Court. Yeah, uh, denied Activision Blizzard's request to pause the DFEH's lawsuit following accusations of possible ethical violations. And 20 people exited the company this last week due to uh, this ongoing nonsense that they're just sitting there waiting for it to blow over. And it just isn't happening. Hmm. Haven't you noticed that, man? Like, I, I do not feel like people are like forgetting about this. And I'm very glad about it yeah i um you know i i don't feel like it's the kind of news story that just gets held in the news constantly but i also think like anytime they get brought up it's getting brought up which is great um they need to be held accountable and i think when you're a fan of a company or when you're a fan of a product a company puts out it can be really easy to slide back into that fandom and that excitement for the you know they make good games yeah yeah um but it's still important to hold the company to account because the people who make those good games are being harmed by the company and we care about those people we want them to be yeah. safe and happy at work and fulfilled and yeah supported and, and it's a lot easier for me to say fuck off to blizzcon because i don't i mean i would anyway and i say the same thing about ubisoft but i'll probably play far cry 6 
you know what I mean? I won't play a Blizzard game. Right, uh, right. So it it does, but then the, your uh, there is the question of like, well, if you don't support the game, then you're not supporting the developer. But I don't know. It's it's hard to uh, vote with your wallet at all times to make sense of that argument and what uh, the meaning of each action is. Do you know if you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, um, not to throw any of my friends under the bus, but I know Do it. like They're they. All- they voted with their wallet around the 2019 era where like Blizzard wasn't Blizzard anymore and why are they doing this? And just said, you know, they're not supporting the games the way they should and they're not putting the games out that people want, so I'm not going to play Blizzard games anymore. And similar friend bought Diablo 2 Resurrected and was playing that. That's the game that friend's playing. And I don't know if he just isn't aware of the lawsuit because he's not like in it like we are reading the news all the time. But really makes you think. <laughs> yeah. I and it I mean that is kind of true, man. But it does I feel and like, like no shade or disrespect to that person. It's just yeah. it is like interesting the things that gamers will get riled up for and like vote with their wallet about. Yeah. And I I do but it does play some role because it would say if say it was far cry 5 like far cry 6 was well reviewed well received like better than far cry 5 from what i've heard um it it goes in the bucket of your decision making you know what i mean like when you're sitting down weighing out the pros of cons of like if I, am i gonna buy this game for 70 bucks it definitely goes in that calculation of like the um like how aligned your morals are with that of the company or at least what they seem to be on the outside. So yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of Ubisoft and Far Cry six, uh, <laughs> I've just found this one really funny, man. I pulled it from VGC time. I even wrote that uh, lapsed Far Cry six players are receiving taunting emails from Ubisoft <laughs> company mocks players for quitting the game after a few hours. Uh, so this, uh, the managing editor for gamesindustry.biz shared screenshots of an email he received from game publishers mocking him for stopping playing the game after three hours. You disappoint me, reads the subject line. It was amusing to watch you fail, and surely you can do better than this, the message says. I don't know, man. I thought this was kind of funny. I don't really wouldn't get too upset about something like that. Um, what about you? What do, how do you feel about it? I think it's interesting that it's like in character from uh, I can't ever remember this guy's name, but I just think it's very strange. I get it. I understand what they're doing. I kind of hate it. Yeah. But if it was like Let's take a let's take a step back. Here's an opportunity. This is an opportunity. If Metroid Dread noticed that I hadn't like logged into play in two days and one of the bosses shit talked me, I'd be like, oh fuck you. I gotta get Craid, you're out here. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. Craid, you're out here talking shit. I'm gonna come get you, Craid. Yeah. Like, I would love to see 
developers send in game like send these meta emails for a game that you are continuing to play but not as a way of just like dunking on people who've like given up on your game because they don't like it yeah it's i don't know i like it's an interesting marketing tactic for ubisoft to use and i personally don't think it's worth getting upset about but you know that's me Anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know uh, that I would get upset about it, but I do think it's like somebody spent their time coming up with that idea. Yeah. To, and like they've already made the sale. Right. But Although they do I, have a streaming service, so maybe it's about getting people to continue logging into the streaming service and stuff. Well, that and yeah, you're right, man. Like, But they must have something that like shows that player engagement with the game increases your profitability in some way, shape or form because people, you either earn points or you uh, can buy new clothing or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially in an Ubisoft game. Yeah. In a first person. Jinx. (laughs) Yeah. Who uh, in a first person shooter where you can't see your character, but you can change what they wear. I always find that fascinating like how well uh that shit sells when you can't see your character mm-hmm. like other people can but you can't unless you're in the screen it's like so like i don't know it's just interesting man weird what a weird gaming dystopia we, we live in these days i don't fully mean that but anyway uh chris do you want to talk about state of play predictions or do you want to I don't out? even have any. I know. I've been out of the ecosystem. You got to understand. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, well, I, I'm not with you. I'm in the ecosystem, but I, I, I don't, there's not really anything I'm excited about that I don't already know a lot about that I want to hear more about. Um, if you want to vamp for a little bit, I'll find this article real quick and we can talk about it briefly before we dip out. Yeah, I don't have any questions or nothing. My understanding about what to expect from it is that there's going to be mostly stuff from their third party partners, but then a couple updates that might be more first party related. Um, And, you know, not even having a PS5, I generally have stopped staying on top of those things, except for stuff that I have to do for the pod. Yeah. Um, And so I'm really curious what do we not know about yet? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, the thing in their uh, release, like when, what was it, last year in the summer, they had a state of play that was talking a lot about or dropping a lot of games. And... Uh, feel like we saw so much and we have so many like the game stray where they showed like a cat game i'm trying yeah, to look that, for i loved the cyberpunk like neon of the background of that stray game Is, yeah. has there been an update since that initial show off not that i recall from that game and then there was another game or wait was stray different than the one were there two cat games <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's certainly possible 
How many cat games? No, nope, Stray is the neon one. Isn't there like robots and stuff in this world? I feel like I there's robots. So. I, yeah, yeah, there's, there's the there's robot. Only robots. There's no people. Yeah, and is they all kind of look like. like the robot from Fooly Cooly with a TV for a head. Anyway, yeah, sorry, that's so that's I a big you're... old nerd reference for my anime fans. I bet you're wandering around this world as a cat trying to figure out what happened to all the humans. Yeah. Because you want your ear scratched and the robots didn't learn that in their protocol before they all the humans died. So your ear hasn't been scratched for years. They didn't train any any, peop, any of the robots to treat the cats like people treat them. Yeah, which I don't like cats that much, but that's still not cool, man. Planned release your... date 2022 per its Steam page. Yeah. Um, oh, it has a Steam page? Of course it does. Yeah. Looks like it's, it's crazy, man. If we were PC gamers, we would have none of these, like exclusivity problems nowadays because um even god of war yeah you know? even god of war is coming so uh yeah anyway i can't find the damn article that i it's really gonna bother me um i think i would like to hear about final fantasy 16 um i would like them to justify why it's not multi-platform and why i'm not going to be getting it on xbox seemingly yeah um i okay. would love to hear them talk about final fantasy 7 remake 2 but i would say there's probably a zero percent chance of that yeah um Maybe persona 6 see, there you go now you got lots of stuff i would love to see more do you think they'll there's no way they'll bother with horizon 2 like they announced the delay so they'll probably like hype that up again maybe next, next year. year yeah but if we learned anything with death loop they love to beat this shit out of a marketing tactic and like just show you a game for over six months past the point again. where you're tired of looking at it yeah that was death loop was doing that for sure uh they're gonna apparently show a lot of this game i'm pulling this from nme com if you say mm-hmm. it fast sounds like enemy written by will nelson good old willie nelson whoa breaking news breaking news <laughs> he's back sorry he's not dead he's right pokemon goes pokemon uh, go creators new game is pikmin bloom it's a little pikmin game from niantic oh cool sorry just this literally came out as we're recording oh i'm yeah, I don't know anything about that, man. It It's like 18-minute old news. <laughs> There's a little announcement trailer. It's supposed to make your walks nicer, supposedly, per Kotaku. Interesting. From Luke Plunkett. There's Isn't a trailer. What, uh, Pokemon Go does? Oh! they Well, sure, yeah, but now they need to do it with the Pikmin. Uh, Shigeru oh. Miyamoto is, is repping at the end of this announcement trailer for like a good minute always love to see miyamoto out promoting stuff and and talking it's always a privilege to get to hear him the world's a better place with miyamoto in it man that's for sure he's oh my god he's great he's like a silver silver gray i don't think i've paid attention to his hair color in a while anyway sorry to derail this um i just think that's really like you got to understand like any game coming out of niantic paired with nintendo's gotta be a big deal because pokemon go is like rocket ship massive yeah and so what was the game Niantic came out with after Pokemon Go that didn't do very well, though? Did they do that Harry Potter game? Or was that somebody else? 
I think so. Wizards Unite. Yeah, who did that? Uh, Niantic. Yeah. And then um, they had their original game, Ingress, that I think had like an update. Gotcha. Anyways. Um, Man, that would have been a good company to invest in in like 2016. Oh, and it's rolling <laughs> out globally starting today. Their Beyonce IPOs. drop. No, oh. Niantic's Beyonce drop. Beyonce oh, drop um, Pikmin? Pikmin. Oh, gotcha. Uh, did you Just in you, time for me to not want to go on a walk now that it's about to be winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, sorry, I completely sidetracked it. I was trying to buy you some time to find that it's article. All, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> do you recall seeing a game called Little Devil Inside? Had a like almost claymation yeah. kind of art style. Um, it's the one with like, is it two? Do, 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 yeah. Is this the one that had like two different worlds or like you could see the world? I don't really remember. No, this looks different than I remember. I thought this took place inside a house. No. Man, this art style is beautiful though. Yeah. I know a lot of people were stoked about it. It didn't really, I didn't think it looked bad. I just wasn't, it didn't like, I don't know, spark a huge interest in me right away. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm still excited to see what it'll be. And I, Hopefully they'll do a deep dive and it'll be cool. I'm sure it'll be good. But um, that's apparently what we, one of the things we're going to hear about. And this thing is only 20 minutes. So I guess Mm. we probably won't hear about that much outside of this, if that's what they're talking about. Or I don't know. It seemed like more of an indie game. So I'd be surprised if it got 20 minutes on its own. But we shall see. Tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And that'll do it for this week in gaming, which is not what this podcast is called. Um, but yeah, we didn't have any writing questions this week, and Chris and I have been blabbing at each other for like an hour now, so let's GTFO. Yeah. Chris, where can people find you at, man? At VG Occasion, keeping it true to the name by occasionally being on my Twitter account. Occasionally. You really do stay true to that game name, man. You are like, you do take hiatus from Twitter pretty regularly. I commend you for that. Gotta look after that mental health. Yeah, man. Especially... I don't spend a ton of time on there, but like, I can definitely see why if I did, was able to like look at it at work regularly and stuff. I don't know, that shit's all bad, but, you know, I do like to troll and or say random things occasionally, so. Um, You can find me doing that at Johnny Samson on Twitter. You can follow AJ at AJ underscore ID and Angie at Stellar Smalls. You follow the podcast at Mostly Normal Gamers, or no, at MN Gamers Podcast. Damn it. At MN Gamers Podcast. Anyway, it's time for me to go. Leave us a five-star review on the listening service of your choosing, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye.